Look, if you don't want to make that change within yourself, it's not going to get better. This might not apply to everybody, but if you feel like you're rock bottom, okay, and you're hoping for a better day, but you literally are doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, that's a definition of insanity. You are provided with a choice every day. You are provided with multiple choices throughout the entire day. Take that choice, make that change. You've identified a problem. You're saying you're rock bottom. Got it, you're there now. There's only one way and it's up. So change your mindset, use that choice and go a freaking different direction. Love y'all, Faceman VTT out. Day three of retirement. As an infantryman, I was asked if I could clean the sink. So let's look at this. Definitely some kind of grime on there. And I open up the cabinet. What do I use? Nothing comes to mind. Like my experiences, my skill set. Nothing. Wait a minute. Everyone knows this is how you clean everything. Infantry retired. Just a good second. Would you like a military discount? Uh, oh, do you offer one? Honestly, oh, cap of the day. <laughs> CC's Pizza is the county fair of restaurants. You go in there, you look around, you feel a little bit better about yourself, then you realize that you're in there too. Tell me I'm wrong. Well, let's be honest. You know, not everybody's made for this life. It's scary. You know, you gotta jump out of a plane while it's moving. That's not natural. It's high, it's, it's fucking wet outside sometimes. It's snowy, it's hot, it's dry, it's shitty. Who the fuck would wanna be airborne? Best job, fucking, best job I ever had. Jersey City Police Department responded to yesterday's call at a grocery store knowing one of their own had just been gunned down at a cemetery a mile away. We're learning new details about the sniper ambush of police officers in downtown Dallas last night. New information tonight on a shooting that killed a police officer in New Jersey. Police departments around the country are telling their personnel to be extra vigilant. Before I start my tour, I kiss my kids and wonder if I make it back home tonight to see another shift. I can't imagine them not seeing me walk through that door. Nah. But I know my purpose isn't what I do it for There's a heart that's beating behind each uniform But there's always a time God turns the music off I wonder if I'm really out here making changes Trying to bring peace to a place that is full of hatred I'm frontline even though I know that it's dangerous If they kill me, it might even make them famous They act heinous, maneuvering with bangers Often me might put a couple stripes on a gangster Like Truman, every step I take is recorded They can't see the real me, all the pictures are distorted I stand the tallest, we're never repping the fallen Where the blue line of those who died during deployments Another day, it's another day Thank God for another day I know they wanna see us dead But this line, it'll never fade Another day, it's another day I praise God for another day When evil wanna have his way The good ones will never break Fleet Tex is a proud partner of Veteran Trash Talk.
and has bought into the mission of lowering the veteran suicide rate. Fleet Tax wants to hire veteran trash talkers to install GPS tracking systems on fleet vehicles, focusing on Illinois, New Jersey, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, and Tennessee. But opportunities exist nationwide. Go to www.fleet-techs.com and apply today. What's up, everybody? Happy Saturday. Welcome to episode 107 of the Trash Talk Hour. Special guest today is Matt, who runs a first responder nonprofit, and returning guest, Bookham, a New Jersey police officer who does amazing things in his community, and he's got bars, okay? And, and as always, I'm here with Buddy and Nick. How's everybody doing today? Cheers. Cheers. Oh, Cheers. Good. Cheers, guys. Cheers, Cheers. Guys. Cheers. <laughs> I love oh, your hair today, God. buddy. You're looking good, man. Hey, you buddy, know, buddy looks really good. Saturdays, you got to take a shower. Really good. What do you do on football Sundays, bro? That's it. Oh, <laughs> oh, man, he's a he's a football Saturday guy. In fact, football starts in, in a couple. Well, Tennessee's already yeah. kind of in a, a little bit of a scrap with uh, with Georgia. Looks like they may not pull that one out. Oof. Well, they they are just, they are just. They are 10-point dogs, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, right now. It's against the dogs. You get how I did that? Yeah. Oh, I got it. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what you did there. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Dave. What we yeah, got? Yeah, so we're going we're gonna to kickstart the dumpster fire with a conspiracy theory, okay? Um, this one, I sent the picture to Chris. I don't know if it's up. I don't know if anybody sees it. But today, we're going to talk about the New Jersey devil, Okay. And that's actually the mascot of New Jersey, uh, if I'm not mistaken. You know, a lot of states have like mascots of like flowers and different animals. New Jersey has the New Jersey devil. So I took some notes. So the rumor has it that in uh, 1735, Deborah Leeds gave birth to the New Jersey devil. Okay. It was her 13th child. Apparently she didn't want the 13th child. And uh, she was praying to God to say, hey, you know, hopefully this, you know, I miscarry or something. She just didn't want the kid. Okay. The child was born, and about 20 minutes later, shit hit the fan, okay? The baby grew to the size of two full-grown men, developed a horse head, wings, goat feet, red eyes, and a serpentine tail, okay? And then with one swipe, it basically killed the midwife that was there, escaped through the chimney into the pines of New Jersey, and disappeared, okay? So a lot of speculation if that really occurred. There was a dead midwife, it, some crazy shit, okay? Again, this was in 1735, so do we really know? But that's what occurred. 
So then a rash of sightings happened again in 1909, which included livestock being slaughtered, um, even the military shooting a cannon at it. Okay, in New Jersey, there was a space, this military base, and they shot not, a cannon not, not at really it. A, not really a point weapon. Yeah, I know. They shot a cannon at it, hit it, and then it ran back into the woods. Um, there were over thousands of sightings during that time. And the state of New Jersey actually ordered kids to stay inside um, because the you know, New Jersey devil would kill these kids if they were outside. They placed a $10,000 bounty on it, okay? Back in um, that day. Yeah, 10000 that's a lot of fucking money, right? Yeah, yeah. And there were, there were news reports, paper, whatever, all kinds of stuff. There was and uh, they actually then. found they found tracks in the woods. Okay. And they had bloodhounds that were supposed to, you know, follow these tracks and the bloodhounds were like, fuck that, like running the opposite direction. Cause they want, they didn't want any part of it. Okay. And then back in the 1960s, um, all that shit started back up. All right. Cattle mutilations, chickens missing, like dead cats, all kinds of crazy shit. And a $250,000 bounty was put on the New Jersey devil again with no avail. They didn't find them. Okay. And then sightings have occurred ever since then, with the last one actually being in 2015. And it was actually on the news, okay? Uh, there's pictures, apparently. They look kind of blurry, so I didn't share the pictures, but of this thing flying through the woods, okay? So I don't know. Crazy shit. New Jersey devil. I mean, we've talked about, you know, we've talked about some crazy stuff on here. I personally, I don't know. I think the monkey man in New Delhi seems more plausible than the New Jersey devil. And we talked about him a while ago. So I personally don't think it's real, doesn't exist, never happened. I think it's just for folklore, you know, it's just a tale, you know, like they say dragons and all kinds of shit and trolls. Um, they are real. You know, I, yeah, I just don't believe it. I don't believe it. Not my thing. I'm going to say no to the New Jersey devil, even though I believe in like UFOs and aliens and all that crazy stuff. I'm going to say hard no on me. All right. So Matt, what's your take on the New Jersey devil? Yeah, I'm going to say hard no, too. I, you know, I have uh, some uh, people in my family like to spin the yarn, uh, so mm -hmm. to speak. Uh, I got, a, you know, grandfather from uh, West Virginia mountain guy, uh, coal mining, who had some, some crazy ass stories like that. Um, and yeah, no, I'm going to say no on the New Jersey devil for me, for sure. Um, what? What, what are your thoughts, though, on the sightings? Like, just people making shit up and then, like, the military shooting a cannon at it? Like, so all, here's, here's the other experience, right? The yeah. uh, uh, being in Chicago, when you hear folklores and all this mm -hmm. stuff like that, mm -hmm. there's a lot of crazy stuff that people will do to like go to extremes to make those things seem true. Absolutely. Uh, about all, all sorts of stuff. So I think people are crazy uh, and will do what they need to do to make those things seem real. So uh, I'm going to say the sightings are some interesting contraptions and people trying to make that thing sound real. For Hard sure. pass. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'll take it. Book them. What's your take yeah. on the New Jersey devil? You're muted. You're muted. Yeah, brother, no, I know. I know. Yeah. Oh, um, oh, for some knows. reason, my, for some reason, my, my computer's lagging a little bit, but anyway, um, I think it's, it's the devil. I think, I think <laughs> it's the Jersey devil. It's there. Because I, I am in Jersey. Yeah. But anyway, um, I think it's I think it's all I think it's all BS, but with a spin on it, I do believe in extraterrestrial monsters or something. Mm -hmm. I don't I definitely don't think that we're the only um life form that inhabits this planet. There's no way. Um I believe that it's something and people don't know how to explain it, so they just 
create this narrative or this story because it sounds amazing. But I definitely, if you guys research, um, when you saw me looking off screen, I was looking at my phone because I forgot the name of it. I saw a documentary on Netflix, uh, Skinwalker Ranch. Have you oh, guys yeah. heard of it? We talked All about right. that on the show as well. Yeah. It's, it's in, uh, yeah. where's it's in it? Utah, Utah, right? Utah. Utah. Yeah, yeah, Utah. yeah. So I saw drink, that. Drink the blood of the, uh, of the babies. Yeah. Well, that's a whole different one. But yeah. Oh, so they're only, uh, that's in Arizona. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Skinwalker never... Ranch is pretty intense. They got like portals there and a bunch of oh, they phenomena that occurs. Yeah. yeah. Obviously. I, I, I just believe I just believe that it, there's some extra it sounds crazy because nobody ever wants to hear that. Um, but I truly feel that there's like this extraterrestrial element that's here. We don't see it, it doesn't want to make itself visible. Um and and I believe that that's why we see these in Puerto Rico. We had the chupacabra. I know you guys mm -hmm. heard about it. Yeah, where you know livestock was getting eaten. Um, you know, chupacabras are real. Yeah, those are real. We've I you know I've I don't know of anyone that's that's actually taken a picture of one and, and have seen one on their property. But these type of things, I just feel, and there are hybrid animals out there, right? Yeah, I mean, there sure. are hybrid animals. So like the liger. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's my take on it. The whole uh, story possibly, with the, possibly you know. not, yeah. Julie yeah. in the chat says, no, it's not Julie. Crystal White says, sounds like the drugs were worse back then. So her explanation is everybody was high when they saw the New Jersey Devil. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> you know? well, yeah, that's... <laughs> Crystal, that's usually Joe's take on everything. It's just drugs, so um, and you probably get the best take ever. Because right, Buddy's if you watch next. our fight show from last night, he was yeah. smoking weed on the show. So yeah, it's that's always his answer. <laughs> buddy, buddy, here we go. I have been waiting patiently. You were so good. You were so good that. today. There were yeah. a couple times I almost, and then I was like, just take a note. Just took notes. All right, nope. I got. I got two questions. Question number one, okay. why is it the cameras that everyone uses to take pictures of like the Loch Ness Monster, Sasquatch, apparently the New Jersey, why are they all blurred? I got the answer. I, I know right. that answer. I know that answer. Weird ass animals have. Is that what it is? Like they just, they blur out cameras, but it, but every particular, oh, it's a picture, but it's a little blurry. Like, Nobody's got autofocus. Nobody's got a camera. You're, you're, you got an iPhone 27. You can't get a clear picture. What point. the hell is going on? Yeah, I'm yeah. Here's the second thing. I, who <laughs> was this shit fucking? What? Who had the <laughs> and, yeah, and why didn't she want the kid? How do you get that much? Where is all this semen coming from? From serpents and <laughs> and sheep and goat. Did she fall into a farm and everybody was just like, damn, mama? Don't forget, he had a horse head. We were yeah, he had a horse head. horse head. The horse Half is wings. the most. <laughs> this is where the Tijuana show was bred. This is where that it was made. It was basically Noah's Ark. Two by two, just coming in, just <laughs> coming on in. Having weird ass babies. Where was she living? That's what I want to know. I'm gonna go with bullshit. I'm gonna go. I, I know just enough about biology to know that that's not a thing. But I digress. Thank you, buddy. Thank go you. Ahead. It was a good take. Somebody needs to answer my questions, though. Yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. I need. Buddy's got questions. We need some answers. <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna tie a lot of things together here because I believe in fate. 
right? Yeah. I, be I believe in things coming together for a reason, right? So when Matt talks about West Virginia, that triggered me, all right? Because that's where well, my, help. well, my father's line is from West Virginia, mm -hmm. right? And they also moved, the people who didn't want to bang their sisters, right, they moved away, right? But we're talking, you know, my father's line got here in the 1600s. So, like, they just re ran out of people. So that also helps Buddy's question of who is she having sex with? Like, th there weren't that many people back then in America, yeah. right? Yeah. So maybe it's a bastard child. I'm going to say that the devil does exist, okay? Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with yes. However, I'm not going to go with an actual horse head as this kid was probably locked up like an Iraqi kid to a roof somewhere, right? Not allowed to do anything, right? Probably beaten, right? And then he got out. Oh, like okay. that one kid we found on that one roof on yeah. that raid in Iraq? Yeah. Well, we almost, cool. I almost, I almost, I should have shot him. I got yelled at for another, another per, innocent person I didn't kill. I got yelled at for by Perez. Like, I, like, I, I felt I so bad for that kid, man. Yeah. Well, he, he was he literally came, drinking water out of a dog bowl. Yeah. And he came over, he came over the roof when we were walking up to yeah. him. Going, I almost shot him. And I, I was like, shot him. Oh! Yeah. Like, 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 oh shit. Yeah. You know, it's like, but. Just, it wasn't a, it wasn't a TTP for the, the Al Qaeda to yell at you before they shot at you over a roof. So like that kind of stopped me from plugging the the guy who was special needs. Um, but so I'm gonna I'm gonna say that the devil is real, and I believe he he found somebody else that he could sleep with because again, there weren't many people to sleep with back then. So 1735. That's a long time. Right. So so yes. Basically, anybody. he's not the real devil, but this was a bastard child that got out, right? Uh, and then just started to wreak havoc on the community as revenge, like Freddy Krueger. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? So, like, I think it existed. I think he killed a horse and then used the horse head, right? What about and, the flying? Is he jumping out of trees and stuff? What are you? Yeah, he can fly. He's got bat wings. Flying. And then yeah, again, we tough. we we use these stories that are you need at least ten percent truth for people to somewhat believe you. Right. Otherwise, you just you're just wild person. But you're maniac. so. Are you saying that he like fashioned some wings out of, and he was like hang gliding around with a right? It's like a, a bastard child, but like Bruce Wayne at the same time. He's right. Got, <laughs> he's got the right. gear. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. uh, imagine, imagine you know somebody like Bruce Wayne, but not having the money and having to live in the woods and having to learn all this stuff. Dude, he probably becomes pretty badass. Right. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Probably, you know, doing some some wild shit. So I'm 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 gonna go with he exists, and then I'm gonna go with the the, the fairy tales about this person, this devil grew because that's how parents used it to discipline their kids. Mm. Yes, like, they did. They did. That is actually yeah, uh, some inside, of the information right? I wrote. Yeah, stay right. inside. And, and, Don't and be bad. Those, the Jersey for, Devil's gonna come for, get for you. For those of you who yeah. are calling the big girl full of shit, how many of you stayed inside two years ago? Mm. All right. Yeah, you did. All right, you got scared by a fairy tale story, right? Like, sorry, okay, like yeah. that's yeah. what it was. Hey, we should yeah. shut all our business down. Yeah, fuck this, man. We might get the flu. Yeah, like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. all right. So, uh, either way, so before you call the big girl full of shit, just I want to know what you did two years ago. All right, I, I shut everything down. I continued to do the same things I was doing. Uh, exactly, exactly, exactly. Because I would fuck the devil up, dude. Like, you know, you want to come in my house? Dude? Let's go. Let's go. Well, you know. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, he, you, you not know, the actual devil, buddy. This okay. devil that we're talking <laughs> about. Saying. Yeah. 
right? Like, because how's he supposed to fight me with this a horse one. head on? Dude, right? like, listen, this was a this whole virus thing was real. I'm not listen. I'm not gonna get the virus it. was 100 real. No, it would, what I'm saying is that's a great topic. But there's a there's a documentary out right now that's coming out. It's a trailer. It's coming out in silence, and it's called um, I'll get the name of it. It's crazy. It it talks about a, a, a cleansing. Because we're becoming too populated, and it's just so deep, man. Oh, you talk like, about half, uh, the population control theory. Yeah, oh, we yeah, can do a yeah, whole yeah, show yeah, on that yeah, stuff, yeah, man. Yeah, you got my tinfoil yeah. hat like going crazy right now. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. But, um, um, <laughs> well, no, we we definitely want all the boomers to die, right? Uh, every everybody, Whoa, every, everybody. Well, I say I say a collective we as the people doing these things, right? No, so no. we want we want the boomers to die because they're. I've said it before on the we show. They're gonna the they're gonna give the most. It's going to be the largest transformation of wealth in recorded history. All right. So the longer that these boomers stay alive, right. And they're all in charge right now. So they're making rules like shutdowns and shit like that to stay alive. When China was like, dude, we're trying to do you all a favor. We built this shit because it's only going to kill old people. Right. Like, like fucking everybody going to have money. All right. Let it go. All right. And, you know, we stopped it, you know, to some certain extent. But uh, yeah, it's. Is it plausible that other people want to kill other people? I think we know that's true. Um, yeah. But yeah, we're, we're, we stopped we, it you know, to some extent. Oh, somebody's listening. But um, uh, I'm yeah. do that. But, yeah. All right. right but hey, on. so we're, we're, that's another show. We could talk about that another show. But hey, let's get to. I've been waiting for this. Let's get to Buddy's honesty cap. That's what I want to hear. Oh, my turn. <laughs> Here we go. I just got to run the strip. Cheers, uh, Cheers buddy. So, Cheers. So today is the. Uh, I don't know if you guys got your, your watches on. Today's the 5th of November. Um, now, in my town, where I live, we were supposed to have a Veterans Day parade today. Um, it got canceled. Here's my question. If Christmas falls on a Wednesday, we don't change when we celebrate Christmas to a fucking Saturday so that it's convenient. What the veteran community did for for the country and for the world is, I would say, right along the whole Jesus thing. So why the fuck are we changing the day that we celebrate Veterans Day to a convenient day? What we did wasn't convenient for us. So we're not even going to talk about the fact that the actual 11th of November falls on a Friday when you're going to be out of school and off work anyway. And we could have just had Veterans Day parades on Friday and it would have been completely normal. You'd have just gotten a three day weekend out of it. But even if it was on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, let your kids out of school, let them go see what veterans look like. Let them pay homage to a, 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 the veteran community. It's the one day a year that we stop and take a second to think about all of the people who have served in the military. For my town, it was supposed to be veterans and first responders. For really. Oh, we have like, to put them in there. Hey, I'm down with sharing it with them. I mean, to me, they, they're deployed 365 days. I, I know, buddy. I was setting that, you up. I know. It was a joke. That being said, that being said, put fucking Veterans Day on fucking Veterans Day. There's no reason to have a parade on a fucking Saturday on the 5th. I got to stop. I got to stop. Have you. it on the 11th. Go ahead. I got to stop you, buddy. Uh, I just want to say this. I'm a first responder, but I you can't compare the two. You can't. Yes, you, uh, yes, you can. Oh, yeah, you I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why, in my opinion. You can't. Reason why, in my opinion, you're deployed to a whole nother region, a whole nother lay of land. 
uh, you don't know the lay of the land, you don't know the culture, you don't know the people, the dangers that you face are paramount. In law enforcement, yes, we do have, we face a lot of dangers. But for the most part, we should know our community. We should know the people that we're dealing with. And we should know ways to approach these people. So like I said, prime example, when my brother said, when he was going to that roof and yelled at him, he learned that the culture of the Al-Qaeda was to not yell or do something abrupt before they're going to try to kill you. So like I said, you, you I really... I, Unless they're blowing themselves up, it. then you're going to get a yell. But it's going to be not... It's not going it's not <laughs> to be... Ah, it's, it's a be, different yell, different, it's a different, different tone, word. different dialect. Yeah, yeah. 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 But you get what I'm saying. You get what don't I'm me, saying. Don't, don't get me wrong, Bookum. I'm not saying that that we're exactly the same. But what I am saying is that I don't mind sharing a a day with people that a don't have a day. Yes, and yes, B, yes, yes. Um, yes. I think we should all have a mutual respect for. Absolutely. Yes. So it doesn't bother me at all to have a, a veteran slash first responder yeah. parade. Yes. Because why not? I, why I not agree. I, yeah. you know, give them, give, give, give each of them a time to, uh, and, and to not to mention a lot of first responders meet those criteria. Buddy, so, I got, I got something to bring up to this, bring up to this point. Right. So uh, recently uh, a veteran uh, who was also a Chicago police officer, a guy named Danny Golden. I don't know if you guys have heard about this story, but Danny was uh, off duty, broke up a fight. Um, at a, it broke up a fight at a bar, walking away. Bad guys uh, shot him in the back, paralyzed from the waist down, right? Um, this awful, awful story. This guy, when he's driving back home to the south side uh, in um, um, Mount Greenwood, in, which in Chicago, that's a big uh, first responder community, cop community especially, a parade for for the guy on his way home, right? Coming out of the hospital to come home. 7,000 people out there, huge. You know, my son and I are out there with my nine-year-old son, looks up at me and says, hey, Dad, how come they don't do this for these guys more often? Why do we have to wait till he gets hurt, right? Why does he have to wait? And I had some other coppers standing around me that, like, look over and, like, you know, the kid's got a point, right? Like, why do we have to wait till somebody gets hurt to show them the, the respect that they deserve? And mm. there's, there's something to be said about what you're saying with the veteran side of things as well. It, it is, uh, I mean, the parade aspect, that, that frustrates me too. I'm with you. But, yeah, that there's there's something to that. You so raised but, a good kid but, there, man. But, yeah. yeah, but, yeah. buddy, what, what, what I'm starting to think about here is uh, our friend Jay, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Our friend Jay, uh, old ranger buddy of mine, and he bought a fire truck. And the reason he bought a fire truck one, because he had Bitcoin when it was real cheap before. Um, but he he bought a fire truck because he was like, we've been in the longest war in American history, right? And technically it just ended, right? Even though mm -hmm. we're still deployed in multiple countries in the same regions doing things. But uh, where's our parade? So what he decided to do, like we love to talk about a veteran trash talk was, I'm going to throw my own fucking parade. And so he bought a fire truck. <laughs> right. <laughs> so so that's yeah. coming. We're about to have a one fire truck parade for all the G Watt soldiers. It's coming. Wow. But hey, buddy, yeah. we buddy normally doesn't get cut off during his uh honesty cap. So I where is this going? Oh well, first of all, that well, that was the first thing. First thing was celebrate Veterans Day on Veterans Day. Um doesn't matter if it's convenient for you. Shut down some businesses, get out, let people do Veterans Day. Not a huge deal. Second thing. For veterans, I know that everybody is all hot up. It's almost that time. It's almost that special time of year where you go get 
you go get apps at Applebee's for next to nothing. Yes. Or you can go from, from breakfast to dinner, free meal. Just Haircuts. 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 Great clips. Car yeah. washes. Get cool. Everybody thanking you for your service and you're getting your oh. little your your, I, your I, work I, out I, I, I milk that shit so bad. Oh. Yeah, well, this is this is what I suggest, Peter. <laughs> go with your boys and do that. Like, call up some of your old buddies and go to Applebee's and have a meal and talk about the old days. Talk about all of the things. Talk about the struggles that you've had since you got out. Do take a little bit of time for yourselves. And talk about your mental health. Talk about all of the things that you've been through from point A when you met them to point B where you're at right now. And then where you're going to go to point C. Like, Take a little bit of time to deal with your own issues and, and hang out with the people that you became a veteran with. And see how much therapy that does for it's you impactful. in your entire soul. Absolutely. Just a suggestion. Right. And, yeah. and then, I mean, that's and then, what we, Nick always brings us up. That's what we do every Saturday. It's like our therapy. You know, we look so, yeah. we look forward to this day to get together and just talk and bullshit because it's almost like we're back in the barracks. You know, that has always been my best coping mechanism with all the shit that we went through. Just talk about it, you know, but you got to do it, especially with your veteran buddies. You know, it's just, it, it's completely yeah. different than, than talking to a civilian about it, which nothing against civilians. I'll tell them the stories as well, but when you, you know, that mutual understanding between two vets is just a whole different thing. So yeah, super important. You, you, you literally just talked about this shirt, buddy. Get the demons out. Get the demons trashed out. Up, yeah. you know? and, and, and then yeah. for, for those of you, you know, watching, you obviously get social media because you're watching us. Yeah. Uh, for those of you listening to this on a podcast who refuse to turn on Zoom or Microsoft Teams or something like that, uh, do it right invite your friends on there you can mm -hmm. literally talk to your whole squad that you were in 20 years ago like we're talking right now right and mm -hmm. that's that's how important it is and buddy that is a powerful yep. I, i'm glad you i'm glad you closed it out that way with your honesty cap because that's right like veterans day why not as a veteran especially to you guys on the page you know who i'm talking about who say like i don't go get free shit i don't i don't do that then don't I don't. Okay, don't, dude. Like, then don't, right? But we're still going to give the businesses and the corporations that give free meals out. And I'm talking, you know, like Texas Roadhouse, you know how much they lose on Veterans Day? Oh, it's a tax write-off. You know how much they freaking lose, right? Like, I mean, they, millions, okay? Millions of dollars of food goes to veterans that day. Why would we not say, hey, thanks, Texas Roadhouse? Like, thank yeah. you. Right? And like, then use it for something therapeutic. Right, like you I know, said, go with your boys. Be so, productive, yeah. Yeah, yeah. but uh, no, and, and don't just go with your boys. Take your families with you so they can hear what you guys have been through. And Monica wants us to say Applebee's. Monica, yes, Monica, we'll give you the shout Monica. out. Shout out to Applebee's. Applebee's, Monica, Monica Applebee's. And I, said, I, was, I started off with Applebee's. I was about to segue this into Bookham, but he just had to go take a poop. All right, so <laughs> we don't we, we don't know what happened. Hey, you don't know. He could have got a call. He had to go book somebody. He's got to go book somebody. I think he's a detective now, isn't he? So he ain't got to go nowhere. 
sheriff or right. detective? Oh, what sheriff? Or detective he, oh, he, he, went, he went dark there side. There he is. There he, he is. Dark side. There you go. So he doesn't hear what we're saying about it right now. So that's why it's good. But uh, I mean, sheriffs are pretty much just, you know, correctional guards like that. Yeah. Welcome. We were waiting on you because uh, the floor is yours right now, man. <laughs> yeah, so, As, hey, yeah. Before, yeah, before I turn it over to Bookham, uh, let me uh, talk a little bit about the first time Bookham was on the show and some of the fights that that wasn't a fight, just conversations Dave and I had uh about bringing first responders in and this kind of goes into what you were saying bookham uh about we're not the same or again we like to say that about all veterans themselves we're not the same all right not all veterans are the same okay we have a commonality where we decided to serve okay but it doesn't mean that your ptsd the blanket term that it is is the same as mine like mine causes anxiety and i've talked about this on the show right like it's what it does to me I don't, I, I don't get depressed, right? I don't, I don't have a lot of nightmares that I know about, but like, whatever, uh, for the cops and buddy said it the best, uh, even firemen too, like hundred percent firemen, you know, the things that they see, right. The things that they do for, again, not a lot of pay. All right. But again, it is a service job. So we'll get, we, that whole pay thing could be a whole different other conversation. You guys are very similar. First responders are very similar just like paramedics or even nurses, right? To where you see shit that if you keep that bottled up inside, right? It's eventually going to eat you, right? And it's and before you even know it, you've already alienated probably three or four family members, probably two divorces, blah, 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 whatever. Why? Because went to you, a shell, yeah. Yeah, you went into a shell, right? So you guys... Yeah, you're not the same as the military going to a different country and banging shit. It's yeah, we in our opinion, buddies shared this before. In our opinion, it's it's almost worse because you got to put a you got to put a jacket on every day, every day, three sixty in your own hometown, in your like, own hometown, and depending on where you're at, like we're gonna and get into you're, that probably like Chicago or something, right. or even you. You're in Jersey. You got some well, Chicago, in Jersey. Don't worry, I'll, Chicago. don't worry. I'll get to. I'll we're get gonna to get to Chicago. Chicago I'll, I'll get to Chicago, but uh, uh but I uh, book them. What's new with you, man? What's going on? Well, guys, the last year has been very eventful, man. Mostly good, thank God. Uh, we just became homeowners. Uh, so I've been, you know, fixing the house. We fixed the house. We got flooded with Hurricane Ida. So I had to fix it twice. So yeah. some things, some ups and downs. But to me, that was the most important because I'm the first in my family to actually have a house. Um, you know, we grew up you know, in, you know, very poor settings and, you know, jumping apartment to apartment. For So for to, for me, it was very important for my kids to have a house. You know what I mean? So for me, that's, you know, that's one of the most important that's been going on with me. Uh, work is work. Work has been getting more stressful with the, with the bullshit SOPs, with the rank and file, with the morale issues. Uh, I don't want to be toxic, but my brother Matt knows what I'm talking about. Um, the nonsense that we have to deal with, with politics. It's just, I love my community. I love what I do. Uh, but it's unfortunate uh, that the rank and file and certain administrators make it difficult for you to love what you do. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's just, it's just insane, man. Um, with that being said, I'm looking, you know, by the grace of God, everything in God's hands, I'm looking to become Sergeant soon. So I'll be in a better position to make some changes, make, make a better difference within my department. You know what I mean? So, but other than that, everything's great. Thank God. You know, um, we made it through the COVID without having to get vaccinated. They were pushing me, man. They were pushing me and a few guys 
to do it. They made our life a living hell because we didn't want to fold. We didn't want to be sheep. So they wanted, they pushed and, and tried. You got to get tested twice, you know, twice a week. You got to go. Your kids got to get tested. But I'm like, it is what it is. I'll deal with it. If they fire me, I was, I was ready. I told my wife, I said, listen, I am not getting vaccinated. I am not letting my children get vaccinated. Number one, you better be ready. Not better be, but I told my wife, please be ready to homeschool. And number two, there might be an option that we might have to go to Florida because I was not getting vaccinated. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Yeah, and you guys got away with it in the military. We didn't. We didn't have an option. You know, that's insane, dude. That I mean, kind of, kind of. No, Matt. Yeah, Matt. Check this out, Matt. This is what I was telling, right? Mm-hmm. Brother, this is what I told one of my supervisors. He told me, yo, you should get vaccinated. You know, listen, this is only right. You're working with the public. You're in patrol. You're dealing with people. I said, there's been diseases for years upon years that we probably don't know about that we contract throughout our career. But when I signed up for this job, I signed a piece of paper that stated, I'm giving you my work ethic. I'm giving you my, my talents, my skills, and what I could possibly do for the community. I didn't give you my body. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I didn't give you my body to be subjected to be a guinea pig for you to poke me and tell me I got to do this. I got to no. I'm leaving the same way I come in, hopefully, knock on wood. Right. right. So I'm yeah. not. No, I'm not subjecting myself to any, and you know what I'm saying. No, no that's 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 a good point. And thank God the New York State Supreme Court just uh, passed yeah. a ruling that they they have to rehire the nurses that were fired. Saw that, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And also the garbage men, the city yep. worker, gar- the the waste management people. They had and they had to back pay them from when they Ooh. released them, right? And that's again, let's. We have to do this book. I'm on the show because, you know, to make people understand that it's a conversation. Um, for the sake of the record, COVID is the worst thing that's ever happened to the world. Right? For, for the sake. Economically, just, economically, just everything. I'm, yeah, I'm just saying, right. I'm before, before economically. Economically was not because of COVID. It's because of what we did. Right. So, well, yes, but that was yeah. the ultimate. Right. Well, let's, just, let's, just, let's just say for the sake of argument, it's the worst fucking thing ever. Right. We all agree on that. Right. Mm-hmm. At no time. In the United States of America, are we authorized to make you do something like that with an experimental something at no time, at no time, right? Now, everybody will always throw out the catchphrase like, oh, Darwin's law, right? Well, okay. That's fine. Like, like, fine. <laughs> like, the, yeah. like, we'll go that cool. route. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll yeah. go that route. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and yeah, so yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that up. And then you know, and what you're talking about about how the administration, and this is something that I want to hit, um, is why we you first responders or any service job, not just like you know cops or firemen or, or paramedics, even some a teacher, right? Like we we have to deal with administrative policies. Okay. Every service organization has to do that. So here you go, administrators. And you know, like I, we brought it up before the, the Jefferson report, or the, I mean sorry, the Ferguson report, right? Mm-hmm. Where where it showed how the cops were actually being forced to pull more people over. Right? They were being forced to actually harass people. And it happened to be an African-American community, right? So at what point in time does the community stand up, regardless of if they did something wrong or not, 
is like, dude, leave me the fuck alone. Mm. Right. And that report was a brilliant report, but of course it got pushed under the rug because it didn't say anything bad about cops. It said something bad about the mayor, right? It said something bad about the administration. So yes, there is that correlation to veterans of any service job to where we have to do things when we're deployed sometimes that we don't want to do, right? There's things that we're not allowed to do sometimes because of what the administration, i.e. for us, it's the ROE, Right, the rules of engagement and the mission set for what we have to do for when we're there. Yeah, it's a silent, it's a silent tyranny, man. Yes. It really is. It's a silent tyranny because you're forced, you know, and and you like you said, administration, they make you they force you to do things. Same thing in law enforcement. Yeah. Um, you know, you kinda you kinda and 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 forgive me, my brothers, but I can't stand the police culture. What I mean by that is that it creates this robotic mentality, this robotic lifestyle that, oh, I got to be this. I got to go drink with the guys or I got to do this or I got to be cool. I got to I got to make these multiple arrests. I got to go to every barbecue and talk about police work throughout the whole duration of the barbecue. I hate that. We got to get we got to teach officers. It's OK to be yourself. It's OK to have a culture that's different from what the police culture is. What I mean mm -hmm. by that is like, you know. Puerto Rican Americans, Irish Americans, you know, Arabic Americans, whatever. We all have different cultures outside of work. You know what I'm saying? And it's okay to have these different cultures. And the reason, yeah, and it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> yeah. And the and the crazy thing about it is, right? The crazy thing about I was meeting with some community members. They're Arabic. They're from Palestine. And I was talking to them, and I had my legs crossed, right? And not, you know, I oh had yeah, I can't do that. Yeah. as a man. So, yeah. So I didn't. No, 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 not. Not overlapping like this, but like my boot was facing somebody. Oh, no. Oh. Your foot. Your foot I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So I'm like, uh, so this older gentleman, Arabic, he gets up, he's all pissed off, and he's like, uh, uh, Did he, he throw issue at you? No, he didn't say oh, nothing. But cool. he, he was upset. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, you know, if we're not, if we're not, if we only stay in this freaking box and we, and, and the you administration. You don't learn stuff like that. Right. Yeah, yeah, you don't learn. And, and the administration keeps you in that box because if you speak up, or in my case, for the first two years I was rapping, oh, you can't be rap. Oh my God, what are you doing? But I'm not cursing. I'm not talking politics. I'm not talking religion. What's the problem? I'm doing something that I love to do. And we all have gifts and talents. Some people draw. Some people are artists. Some people want to be actors outside of law enforcement. Whatever. We all have gifts and talents. But in law enforcement, I don't know if it's the same in the military, but they 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 prohibit you or they 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 you know they stop you from mm -hmm. from trying to do something that's outside of the police culture. It's crazy. Now, good point. Well, uh, let, yeah, go ahead, buddy. Well, it's got it's, it's all got to do with control and 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 there them not understanding you but you know the, the one thing that i learned in the military about leadership is that you're always going to have different people people with different cultures with different uh ability and a real good leader is the guy that can find out what that person's abilities are and yeah. then use them to yeah. do the best thing for the organization so like yeah you're yes. you're a cop you're also a rapper why wouldn't you use that in your organization to to link up with people that rap in the community or that's part of their culture in the community like if you have people that draw like okay like 
go out and like find these graffiti guys that are like spraying bullshit everywhere. Dang. And like, hey, yep. there, there you, you go. There you go. Exactly. A positive, uh, yeah. a positive way. You know what I mean? But instead, yeah. we'll sit back. And administration is, to me, administration and probably the police work or, or the police world and the fire department world, any world, the administration is so far removed generally from where the metal meets the road that once you're a chief of police, it's been so long since you've driven a car and pulled somebody over that you don't even understand what you're doing. Like, it's just like sergeant majors or colonels in the army. It's been so long since you were in an infantry squad that when you're making these rules, you don't even understand the ramifications of the rules. You're making administrative rules for 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. You gotta even like you times change, change, you know. You yeah, gotta yeah. Hey, no, hey, I'm glad you guys just said that because because Mickey, Mickey on the Mickey on the chat brought up a point here, which necessarily isn't wrong, but it goes into what we're saying. He goes, but what about the old man's respect for the current for the country he currently lives in? Respect has to go both ways. And I said, Mickey, what current situation? Yeah, right. Because yeah. if your current situation changes. Because society is changing, you don't get to be that old stickler on your porch. You get to be that one. Actually, America allows that. You can be that. Hundred percent. Can be that. But go, go, vote. It's a happy medium. Yeah, There's exactly. There is. There is. Of it, saying, hey, yes. Look, I have experience. I am the old guy, Mickey. I'm the old guy in in almost every place I go. Yeah, he's like, been in the army for like forty seven years. Friends, when I like <laughs> was in the army, I was always the old guy. And the thing is. You have experience, but there's a big difference between sharing your knowledge and saying, hey, if you do this and this, this is going to happen. And then forcing people to not do this so that this doesn't happen. Sometimes you have to let people know what's going to happen and then remove yourself from the situation and let it happen. That way when they come back to you and they go, hey, um, so you know that experience you shared with me and you said, that, that that would happen well that happened so share with me some more of your experience and your there knowledge you go. Wisdom. So that the next yep. time i know the difference right, right. but yeah. and then, you that, can no, force people to learn and then good word right there bookham is wisdom right so it's yep. like like that's a oh, great word and we'll, we'll let's transition to matt here so i i do have to make a, a little poke at chicago uh again being from wisconsin i is against my birthright to uh we, we make like, ourselves an easy target to, so to like to like yeah. anything from yeah. chicago uh how <laughs> like and then again i i always po- i post this on my page probably once a month uh, it's the website heyjackass.com yeah all right go look up heyjackass.com where they track every chicago shooting right like i'm talking body parts like what is it? Was it ages, kids? And we did look at it at first. You're kind of laughing, but then you see how many kids are shot, you know. And it's like, okay, it's not really funny anymore. And it's not right? brutal. Yeah, it's yeah. over nonsense. It's over nonsense. And then it, uh, weird when COVID ended, right? I guess it went away for a little bit, and people got to go back outside, right? Um, all of a sudden, the shootings went up four hundred percent. Weird, right? Like so. Um, yeah. e- either way. Uh, the first responders in Chicago, and just like veterans, there are bad military members. There are people who do dumb shit in the military that yeah. hurts all of us. All right. Yeah. There are bad cops out there, but 
the majority of service members are doing their fucking job and they're doing it great. The majority of cops out there are doing their job and they're doing it great. They're just trying to help. Okay. And so I got introduced to Matt through our virtual reality company, Moth and Flame, that hired me to influence their suicide intervention training uh, because they also have to step up their game in the treatment for first responders. And Matt has put his skin in the game and they have created uh, a nonprofit, the well, is it RC or uh, it resource center, resource center, the, the well, well resource, resource center. center. Okay. The well RC. All right. So go check it out. And again, what the good, I, I, if you have enough good cops, it, it weeds out the bad ones, but they're still there. Okay, mm-hmm. we're talking about the guys that go in there every guys and girls that go in there every day to do the right thing. They want to make a change. They want to make a difference. If you don't think that they don't come home with weight on their shoulders, all right, you are a dumb motherfucker. All right, they come home with so much weight and responsibility that, again, we don't get paid a lot. We don't get paid terribly, but for the amount of weight that gets put on us for what we have to do, right? It's not a lot of money. It's not like we can just go take a vacation to Jamaica for three months when we go home. Right. Like, 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 no, it's their, their mental health is like, I know Bookham talked about this and Matt's probably going to go into this, but like the mental health situation, when, when you are afraid as a police officer, go to your supervisor and you say, Hey, I'm going through some shit right now. Like you're risking losing everything, right? That's the right. Mean, like, there you go. I know, Matt. You're going to get into all this, but that, yeah. like, that's yeah. your livelihood. That's your family. So now we're talking about right. So what are PTSD ridden officers that are daily, you know, on the job in some of these pretty rough cities? They're fucked up in the head, like, right? And that, and so, you know? so what has Matt done? He'll explain it. But yeah. what have we done here at Veteran Trash Talk? We said, you know what? We're not going to bash the VA. We're not going right. to bash the Army. We're not going to bash the Marine Corps. We're not going to bash the DOD. We're just going to take care of it ourselves. Yeah. All right. We're just we're, we're just going to do it ourselves. We're, we're, we're you know we'll help some people. Some people get pissed off. We block them. Whatever. You know. It's like but but we're gonna we're gonna help some people. So yeah, right. Matt, Matt, thank you for putting yours and it helps us too. Matt, thanks for putting your skin in the game and starting something to take care of the first responders in Chicago. Um, so tell us all about what you got going on what you're doing. And you know, like I said, thank you for actually doing something about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, thanks. It's a, uh, it's an honor to be on here guys with you, and, uh, <laughs> you know, just to take part in the conversation. Thanks for giving us the platform to, to share what's uh, happening in our city and the, the need that's out there. Um, so yeah, I, like kind of long story short, um, our organization started really 2016, as a need-based community resource center. Um, I was a pastor in charge of outreach uh, for a church that basically hired me on knowing that I wanted to start a nonprofit um, in the city. I just didn't know what it was gonna be. Um, My brother's a Chicago police sergeant. He's a homicide detective in area four, which is west side of uh, Chicago. So most of those shootings you see on Jackass, uh, they they make their way through his desk. Uh, So he's been doing that for uh, close to 17 years now. Um, But, Basically, what I would see is these guys that would come through our center because we did things that we knew how to do, which was like we did job readiness programs. My wife is amazing. She runs the organization with me. Uh, we did sports leagues for kids and basically all these different things as a tool to listen to the needs of the community. We get people in the door and then let's just listen and see what's going on. 
and everybody that was coming based on our geographic area where we're at, we're on the northwest side here, um, which the statistic is 30% of Chicago's protective services people live in this zip code. So makes sense. Well, I'm in Copland, right? Makes sense that uh, everybody would, would come through. And the guys were coming to, uh, all these families were coming and, and started sharing um, just the mental health crisis and, and things and broken families and all this stuff going on. I used to work for a nonprofit that uh, worked with at-risk kids and the issues that I was seeing both in the, you know, at-risk uh, teen world and the first responder community were really similar in the sense that there was families being broken by the environment that they're in, right? Families that were being broken up and uh, it just, it bothered me. Um, and we started to build some resources to do something about it. And uh, so in 2017, I had already started attending roll calls. If you don't know what a roll call is, it's basically you get your assignment for the day, uh, right? You get your assignment. The lieutenant comes up, gives your assignment for the day, tells you what beat you're going to be on, that kind of thing. And uh, what was happening in our city in the summer of 2017, uh, we had 10 suicides, officer suicides in a two-month period, mm. 10 of them. Seven of those 10 were immediately or right before or right after roll call. So what's happening is these guys were, um, Damn. you know, getting their assignment and then going into their squad car and swallowing their gun. And, um, you know, as somebody who's a family ah. member of first responder, my mindset automatically goes, what, how, how does this happen? And then it's just my brother, you know, it, you start picturing him in that scenario. Fortunately for my brother, he's got an amazing, uh, you know, family system, an amazing support system. His kids are, I joke, so I'm the pastor, right? His kids are the altar boys. Uh, my, my kids are the other one, uh, you know, they're, they're crazy. No, they're all great. But, uh, you know, so my wife and I really were bothered by this. And sometimes when this compassion fills up a, a feeling and emotion, some action needs to come behind it. Um, so what ended up happening is the commander in our local district, I just asked him, I played playing basketball with a guy for a while, you know, just got to know him, do life with him and all that. I How said, are uh, you? Uh, five eight. I'm a little oh, yeah, okay, little, right, little yeah. white boy that can shoot uh, on occasion. We're having some fun. Jesus, Dude, I'll stick. Yeah, I'll, 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 st I'll stick him. I'll, I'll throw that shit in the third row. <laughs> you probably will. I'm all right with it. Uh, but uh, uh, the guy's name was Bill Looney. I asked Bill. Uh, it's like, Commander, can uh, this roll call thing? There's a trend here, and I don't know what it is, but do you mind if I just come in and say say thanks? Look these guys in the in the eye, shake their hand, say thank you, because you never know what a handshake and a smile will do for somebody, right? So uh, just built up off of that. So the point now to where we're what we do is we're and we only go to districts that we're invited to, and basically the commanders make that. Uh, like you said about not bashing anybody, <laughs> I'm gonna try not to bash. No, you can uh, go ahead. But, this is your yeah, subject field. Right. No, but we uh, the, the department itself um, has a lot of different issues. Uh, administratively, like uh, Bookham was talking about, Lightfoot. Uh, yeah, that, that's the, one of the main issues, it. right? <laughs> Kim Fox, Lightfoot, both of them. Uh, we're 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 hoping and praying for a new election uh, that things go the right way, right? Uh, but it, it's caused a, a lot of problems and a lot of mental health crisis going on. So basically, what happened is we come in, we share with the guys, but the only way you know how to we know how to build trust with this community is time and consistency. You have to be seen as part of the team. We're an outside organization, right? Uh, which in our city, outside organization is better uh, because they don't trust their own organization. Like you said earlier, going sad. to the boss. That's sad that though, you know? It's, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a true, you should be able to go to your supervisors and there's, there's good bosses out there for sure that guys do trust and they will go to. Uh, but you should like, 
EAP, there are uh, – and so at this time, I'm going back a little bit, at that 2017 time, what I learned, I was like, you guys are the Chicago Police Department. You're one of the biggest departments in the country. you got to have your own therapists and things, right? Well, on the news, what would happen is Rahm Emanuel came on after all these suicides says, hey, you know, we're going to start taking better care of these guys. We're going to double the amount of therapists we have, right? We're going to double the amount of therapists we have. Just to take backs care up of. the back end of it, not the front end. Right. Well, here's, here's yeah, the problem. So now where they got four? They went to, from five to 10 for 13,500 police officers and their families, yeah. right? And that's yeah. not a knock on EAP. That means there's a lack of resources that they have completely. So our job was, how can we step into this, right? So- now what we have, I have three uh, licensed therapists that work for me. I have a pastoral counseling uh, background as well, where we provide the atmosphere, right? Um, so like I'm sitting in our, our drop-in center right now, just like you guys talked about, like the Applebee's and uh, giving that space to come and hang out. We've created a mental health organization that's a destination. Guys want to come here and want to be a part of it, whether yeah. it's watching a Monday night football game. That is so essential, bro. It, exactly. You just create the environment. So we have a bunch of different like social type programs to invite and build up the trust. So we have like a law enforcement jujitsu group uh, that meets every Tuesday night. We have two different basketball groups. We have a male and female group. Um, we have a male uh, first responder group that meets every Monday night. Talk about our mental health and where we're at. Every Wednesday night is a spouses and girlfriends group that my wife leads. You know, we basically have something every night of the week that is the uh, designed to create a, a fun atmosphere. So to smash the stigmas that come along with mental health, especially in the first responder community, and just build up from there. So we have an amazing donor base that makes it all free. So everything we do is completely free. You guys know the mindset. If there's insurance that, you know, gets passed if there's a, a, a ppo or a hmo when you get collected that therefore some guys some guys not everybody there's a paper trail right so that could be going back to my boss that could be getting there we've eliminated that we have our own malpractice insurance we take care of all that so that the guys come in we fill out our hipaa you know you fill out the stuff mm. that says this is mm -hmm. private and all that but everything is completely free um and you know and there's no state or government funding behind it something that i'm uh, proud of it's because we have a, a donor base and we we are growing tremendously because the need is growing in our city, but also mm. something I'm proud of myself and, and our team and uh, just the group around us is we built up that trust where it's there's no question of when you're in need, who you get, who's the phone call that you're you're picking up and calling. It's easier to call a face than it is a hotline. Right. You got to be able to call a face and a name and somebody that, you know, the brothers that have done life together. Yes. That doesn't mean they're calling me. It's us <laughs> creating the environment so they know who they can call. Brother, um, can I, can I ask you a question? Go ahead. Shut yeah. up, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> can I ask yeah. you a question, brother? Yeah. Uh, bro, number one, I applaud. I love what you're doing. And I would love to link up with you and, and do something, man. I, I love what you're doing. I think that's essential, bro, creating a safe space. My question to you is, what are some of the, what are some of the, the, the what are some of the things you're dealing with mentally from these officers that are yeah. walking in like what is the abundance of problem that you're seeing well most people would assume that because we're in chicago and like you said the things that they see the, the, the wording i use is the the poison that they're taking in right uh where are they where are they giving the space to spit that out they're not going to do it with their loved ones right they're not going to do that so where are they getting the space but at the same time most people would assume that it's trauma that it's ptsd for sure we see our at our you know percentages of that uh, my therapists are trained in EM EMDR uh, training, which if you've never heard of it, seen it, or had it for PTSD, I think it works wonders. I've seen it work wonders. Um, 
But yeah, a lot of the stuff we're seeing, we have an incredibly high divorce rate amongst first responders in our city. So you see a lot of marital issues, uh, a lot of guys on second and third marriages, uh, you know, second families, different things like that, that brings all of its uh, own issues that come with that. Uh, we work with a lot of kids. Uh, unfortunately, I have some kids that have some major anxiety disorders. I have one one client right now that uh, can't go to bed or can't sleep whenever dad's at work, right? And the guy's like, he's a narcotics guy. He's like, I sit on a wire. <laughs> you got nothing to worry about. All I do is listen to people talk. I'm not kicking the doors. I'm not doing it. But it's because, you know, this is an eight-year-old. Because I uh, because I listen to the news and I see the things that are out there and the atmosphere of police being the villains and all that stuff. Um it, it has a huge effect. So I would say, you know, to answer your question, the, the broken family stuff is is a big part of what we deal with. Um, the suicide rates, you know, it's a Chicago Police Department suicide rate is 60% higher than any other law enforcement uh, organization in the country. Um, that we've had we've had eight this year. Um, we, you know, like it's it's been it's been brutal. Uh, three of those were in September. Um, all different ages on those officers. You know, I part of my job um, is I get I get called to some of those scenes to care for the guys around because it affects it has a ripple effect against the entire department. Um, most recently, September 10th. I won't get into the whole story because it chokes me up uh, big time. But yeah, you can, I, you uh, can cry. You can cry in here. Even buddy's yeah, crying no, here once. The, uh, no, the uh, I got one of my sergeants called me and said, "Hey, you know, uh, we need you out here. The, the family's hurting. Um, wife found the husband." Um, you know, the guy had a severe drinking problem, had retired nine days before, had just retired, 15-year vet. U-Haul was in the front. He was getting ready to – packed, ready to go. He was getting ready to move out. He was taking a suburban uh, job in the middle, like where I'm sure you guys are dealing with in New Jersey. We have a lot of laterals, like people getting out of the yeah. big city stuff, going mm -hmm. to smaller departments, things like that. Um, he was going to a smaller department, kind of had a relapse, relapse on the drinking issue. Uh, his wife called him out. She said everything right. She said everything right. Um, and I don't I don't want to put his name out there just because the respect of the family. Uh, but, but she said everything right to him in a sense of we are going to get through this together. It wasn't it, it? It wasn't an accusation. You know, she wasn't using accusatory language, all that kind of stuff. She said, we're going to get through this together. We're going to get you back in rehab, you know, and we'll, we'll take care of it. And uh, the guy's last text message to his wife is, sorry, I'm such a piece of shit. I love you. I'm leaving now. You know, uh, that, that uh, you know, but for me, the most memorable thing about that scene was watching the body get loaded onto the ambulance with the American flag and everybody else standing around saluting it and watching the eyes of the officers, watching for the fallen brother, uh, the head, uh, head of the chaplain division, Father Dan Brandt, who was like the best, unbelievable respect for this guy. He uh, did a prayer over the body and everything, and it was uh, – it, it just shouldn't be, right? It just shouldn't be. And, and for us organizationally, we're trying to create an environment where it's proactive rather than reactive. Don't wait until you're drowning before you know what's going to save you, right? So we try to create the safe place. It's like, there's no question where I'm going to go. There's no question where I'm going to call and all that because I'm already there. I'm already in that space. Yeah. Um, hey, so and it's, no, hey, 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 Matt, uh, Monica on the thread, she's VTT's OE254 cable, which is uh, how we connect people. Right, uh, with the radios and the antennas, yeah. um, wow. and she's like, when, when I booked you for the show, because I loved what you guys were doing based off of our, our other meeting, um, it, it didn't hit me at first, and I was like, oh shit, book them, 
I was like, yeah. Dave, Dave, can we get Bookham on the show? And I was like, let's connect these guys. And yeah. uh, she goes, that's what BTT is all about. And there's two reasons for that. And the one reason is, is I, I was already a believer in what you're doing. Uh, however, I'm not a cop. All right, yeah. I wanted to bring a cop on. Maybe maybe he texts us after the show and says, "Fuck these guys." But like you know, uh, but like you know, but like right away he's vetted you already, and he's like, "Dude, let's let's link up." And so like right. what Monica said is that's what BTU does is we connect people. Um, right. And then and then she also says, "Real men cry." First of all, everybody cries. I cried like a little baby for yeah. the movie From Scratch recently. Everybody, everybody cries. cries. <laughs> every, every, movie was crazy. Every, I mean, everybody everybody cries. All right, it's just uh, a real man says it's okay. All right, yeah, um, for sure. Not true. Not true. Some people just get allergies. I get yeah. allergies. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Hey, fever. Hey, fever. Yeah. 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 to grass. For some yeah. reason, I get allergies every Sunday morning at church. I don't know <laughs> what it is. Hey, hey, Matt. Before I say this into a into a question, uh, PJ says uh, high rate of divorce, as you mentioned, is a lot of the time due to the transition from work to home in the sense that the emotional labor is brought into the marriage, constantly being an authoritative entity that coming home to a partnership that's equal is tough. Um, yeah, shout out to Paul. Yeah, yeah I, I know that's Paul, but like, yeah. um, and again, that's what we talked about like earlier in the show was that like when you keep it inside and you come home and you expect a spouse to understand without telling them when they're supposed to be equal, all right, like, I mean, that's how gonna, do you how do you share with a, a spouse when you don't understand? But right again, again, so I'm going to give you my personal experience of you know with me and my wife, which obviously everybody on this uh, on the that. BTT side knows that my wife and I we have our problems, and she's probably watching. Like we have our problems, okay? But like I I tried my hardest not to sh not to say some things to her, but I also tried my hardest to say things to her. Like, right. hey, this is what I deal with, right? Um, but it's impossible, all right? So that's what it takes stronger people inside and that connection, that love and everything to actually work through the times when you're being a dick, all right? And right. I'm I'm a dick a lot more times than my wife is, right? That's, that's well, a fact. Like, well, so, Matt, Matt, uh, hey, here's what I get to. I got a big money guy on the thread right now, and I'm going to call him out. All right. He was a he was a captain and he's in Chicago. Right. And he works for Northwestern Mutual, who yeah, is tagged I'm in the, very who's, familiar with this organization. Who, yeah. yeah, who who is tagged in this thread. So how do people donate to your nonprofit, which is a phenomenal nonprofit, in my opinion? How do they donate to it? How do they get there? So first of all, uh, if I could be in multiple different places, I would be in multiple different places, but there is a, a space for that. And the reason I say that is uh, our fundraising philosophy is something that I learned from my old boss a long time ago is people give to people they know, trust, and care for, right? So when you're making an investment in a nonprofit organization, you want to give to somebody you know, right? You want to have that relationship. So for me, as a fundraiser, it's really important to build those relationships up. So I always look to build the relationship up first and focus on the relationship. And I know that the funding will come at some point and it has. And fortunately for us, we have some amazing relationships. So your buddy at Northwestern Mutual, he and I, I guarantee we, we know of some of the same people. Uh, but at the same time, the best, one of the best ways to do it is you can go on our website, thewellrc.org, and you can go to the giving page and you can give that way. And all those dollars are going to taking care of these guys, uh, taking care of these guys and their families. 
the spouses and the girlfriends aspect of things that, and, um, and just the, the family members, the extended family, people, the civilian world just forgets how effect of what happens to these guys. The guys have to worry about getting charged and going to prison time for using their tasers now. Like there's like, there's all this kind of stuff and how that affects it. I got just to give a point to this. My sister-in-law said this to me the other day. She a while back now. She goes, my worst fear for the longest time of him on the job when he's, you know, kicking in doors as a tech guy and doing all that stuff was, God forbid, he never comes home, right? For God forbid, it, that, that phone call. She goes, you deal with that. You put it in a box. It's up there, right? It's it's always there. You always worry about that. She goes, that used to be my biggest fear. My biggest fear now is that, heaven forbid, he's doing his job and he's perceived to be doing it in the wrong way and evil and put, you know, potentially behind bars for it and all those kinds of things. She goes, because that first thing, he's a hero, right? He was going to bad guys and he died in the line of duty kind of thing. The second thing, he becomes a villain. I have to, in order to take care of my family, I have to separate completely. Do you, like, the weight of that, to be able to even think of that? That's a lot of our, pressure, our, yeah. Exactly. Our, we forget about that and what the spouses go through and all that stuff. So, um, you know. That's who you're taking care of when you give to the well, is you're taking care of not only the first responders themselves and the fire. You know, I'm talking mainly, we mainly work with police officers, but we have a big fire uh, population as well. Um, these guys and their families go through a lot and they sacrifice, like you guys all have, sacrifice a lot for us on a daily basis and they need to be taken care of. Somebody you- kind of hit on, hit on this too. We need these guys to be healthy in order for our cities to stay from burning down, right? We could see what one officer, one, uh, in my opinion, unhealthy, I don't know him from Adam, but one unhealthy officer, the kind of ramifications it can have on our country, mm, right? Mm, and mm-hmm. and so even like there might be, you know, people that hate the police on this the thread that are listening to it and all that kind of stuff. I would argue that the kind of work is helping your cause as well in the sense that we're taking care of these guys and we're taking care of these guys so they're not going out and doing the wrong things, that they're out there doing the right things and they're in a mental capacity so they can do the, do it the right way. So, uh, but yeah, being able to give, I appreciate the opportunity to say that. Yeah. Um, it's huge. Yeah. I want to hit on the mental. I've been trying to ask this question for a little bit now that the oh, mental health I aspect. Just ask the question, Dave. Yeah. And, and maybe uh, um, we can, tags, we can, we can compare. Ask it, please. Shut up, buddy. Um, we can we can compare because obviously you mentioned safe space multiple times. Like it's okay for them to come to you, but and this goes to both of you. Book them like as an officer now, and you hit on this. You know, last time you were on the show, like talk us through. Like let's just say you you're in some shit, right? Your head's jacked up. You're going through some stuff, and you don't have an outside source like Matt, but you are going straight through your police department with the mental health and the counselors that are provided. The risk of doing that compared to like going to Matt, you know, which we're, you're calling a safe space to like nothing will happen, nothing will happen in your career. Like if you don't have somebody like Matt and you're just going through the department, what does that look like? And what are the you know risks to that possibly losing your job, things of that nature? So uh, to answer your question, that's why I said Matt's uh, program is nonprofit is so essential. And yep. I wish we had something like that in Jersey. Um, because we have a resiliency program in, in New Jersey where now an officer from within the department, whether it's a supervisor or, a, or an officer, they're trained. They go to like a one-week training on how to listen to you, essentially. Um, but the problem is, is that 
how confident or how comfortable do you feel going into an office with a supervisor who you know it's incumbent on them to say, well, this officer just let me know they're not feeling too well. And I feel that we might have to take their gun. How, how comfortable do you feel talking to someone? And not only that, a lot of times these officers don't get along with the people in the rank and file. Right. And, and, and you're and, easily replaceable. And, I mean, you're yeah, easily yeah. yeah. And my brother, Matt, I don't know how it is in Chicago, but I'm pretty sure that this is, you know, this is throughout the nation, right? 700,000 something cops. This happens in multiple departments. I'm speaking to cops from all over, right? The trust factor, right? I mean, it's, it's, you know, there's clicks, there's, there's people that you could trust. There's, you know, you, you learn rather quickly in my 17 year career. I've learned rather quickly that I could trust officers from outside of my department yeah. a lot more than I could from within my own department. Mm. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So that's that's also that's also um, a problem that we have. But to answer your question, the resiliency program that we have, it's pretty broken because nobody really feels comfortable. So that's why I said what Matt is doing is is amazing, man, because it gives me, it makes me feel like, ah. Oh, I could go to a place where there's other officers who feel like me. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not walking into an office by myself in fear of being scrutinized by people that see me going in there to talk to the resiliency officer. And I'm in a place where we can collectively come together and work out our mental health issues, our marital issues with the date nights and all that. That right. is so, so essential because I'm going to tell you the last thing I'm going to say, when we go in the Academy, we're brainwashed that we're a unit. If one fails, we all fail, right? And then when you get on the job, you start seeing like, oh, shit, I messed up. Why are they kicking my back in? Why don't they have my back? Why aren't they calling me when I got suspended to see if I'm okay, if my family's okay? And I'm saying all these things because it happened to me. I made some stupid decisions. I made some irresponsible decisions as a rookie officer. Nothing ever criminal, thank God. But what I'm saying is I made mistakes and I feel like people turn their back on me. They look at you yeah. as a load. Oh, look at this guy. He made a bad decision. He did this. Instead of saying, brother, how can I help you? Sister, right. how can I help you? So that's why your program is so essential. Hey, I got a question for both uh, both you and uh, for Bookman and Matt. So to me, like if you're a police officer, you're dealing with, 10% of society, like, and it's the worst 10% of society, society, like 90% of the day, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. so how can you not start looking at everyone the same way as the people that you have all of your encounters with? A, that's the, the first question. And B, what do these departments do to get police officers more... I guess, engaged with the other 90% of society that's not the 10% that are either having the worst day of their lives or just shitty humans. Like, because if all you're seeing is the bad and all you're seeing is bad people, then everybody's going to become a bad person because that's all you experience. Um, and, and the only way to fight that is to get, to get more encounters with people that are just for lack of a better term, normal. Right. But, but how do you do that? And then how do you, I guess, how do you, you know, how do you give a, a, an officer a time to take a knee? Like we were talking about the fact that police officers, firefighters, uh, paramedics, you, you guys are deployed 
365 days a year. You're always on duty. You're always got your gun and your badge and all that stuff. But like, there's got to be a time where, where somebody in the administration or somebody that's a, a supervisor goes, hey, you know, Bookham's been on the job running the streets now for three, four years in a row. Like, let's put him somewhere where he has more exposure to normal people, like in the schools or, you know, in a place where he's going to, you know, meet people and talk to people and be able to get a balance from the dregs of society to the, the, the normal and or better people in society. Yeah, that so that, no, it's there's there's some different points here. So, you know, in our city, there's lots of different things that the uh, police uh, for sure and the fire do as well to try to acclimate with the community to create those positive experiences, whether it's backpack drives or uh, I don't book them. I don't know if do you guys have caps, do you have community policing? And uh, we have it's called the, yeah. our community policing or whatever. So their job is to create these environments where they listen to the community, right? The same stuff that I was talking about before, um, where they create the environment where it's, you know, the officer friendly type stuff, like those types of things. Um, and they, there's an effort to make those things happen. Um, so that's like one way that they do that. Well, again, the, we have a thing that is, it's all across the country is national night out, right? So national night out is basically a law enforcement put on the Chicago police department puts on like a thing at parks at all the different districts where, you know, you got bounce. House. It's a, it's a fair, right? You got bounce houses, you got hot dogs, you got car shows, you have all sorts of different stuff in our district. The one that i recently just moved out of but live uh close to it still they uh have one of the biggest ones in the country there's like there's ends up being like two thousand people that show up so and the police are putting this on right so that's a community thing they're trying to invite it but at the same time i was just recently invited to a uh conversation with a superintendent right so it's the the faith-based community uh in our in our city was invited to go have a conversation with a superintendent they asked two questions first question was um, how do you, how does, can the faith community help us, uh, curb violent crime, which I'm like, if you're asking a group of pastors how to curb violent crime, <laughs> we got other problems, right? <laughs> that was my first, my first thing, uh, that was my first thought, you know, uh, but you know, everybody's going to put those resources out there, like youth programs, different things like that. We need to make sure that we're communicating well, those answers are out. The second question, which is a big one is telling for, especially our city was, um, how can the faith community help us with our recruiting? Right, help us with the recruiting because they have their recruiting problem is major here. I mentioned the lateral, mentioned the amount of officers that we need and how we have like roughly a little under 10,000 officers working the streets right now. This city needs 13,000 to run it well. So mm. it's kind of scary as far as numbers aspect of things. But with that aspect of because of it was so numbers wise, we're so short. When you were a, a beat guy, when you're a new guy, which I argue this is the wrong idea, but when you're a rookie coming on the first three years, you're going to be put in the West and the South sides. You're going to be put in the roughest environments. One, because that's the best place to learn. Two, you're the low man on the totem pole, right? And when you get further up, you're going to get in the 16th district or the 20th district, hey, the slower, slower Matt, district. Matt, that's Matt, a great, no, Matt, great point. I know what you're going to talk about, Nick. Yeah. Like carrying a saw and yeah. going on yes. the Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. In, the mil in the military – the bad the bad leaders right and if you're watching in the military you're a bad leader if you put the new guy on the saw 
Yeah, right, right. and then have him deploy weapon. immediately. And then have him deploy immediately, right? Like you're giving casualty producing casualty producing weapon. Yeah, and he doesn't know shit, right? <laughs> so it's like you're sending these new guys into the worst areas in a city. What could go wrong? Right. It's uh, I don't know if you guys remember the story of Ella French. Ella <laughs> French was murdered by three scumbags, and she was on a uh, a CIT unit or whatever she, but she was point yeah. blank murdered. Murdered, yeah. and that uh, yeah. that. She's been on the job three years, right? Mm -hmm. She was, and she was in one of the worst uh, districts in our city, you know, like there's, and senior guys that have been on the job will tell you the way she approached the car was wrong. She didn't have her hand on her gun. She didn't have it like, and based on who they knew was in the car, she should have been ready. Um, and it wasn't just her and it's not the, the fault, her aspect of things, but the fact that she was placed in that environment. Um, yep. has some administrative problems, right? Fucked up. But no, now, yeah, go ahead. This is what I was getting at as far as you know, you're a senior guy, you put in your years, you go up to those different the to the nicer communities and stuff. That's when you start seeing the good good people, right? The people that I joke will give you the five finger wave instead of the one finger wave, right? Like those <laughs> people, like those communities are rarer now like there you're not going to find that as much in our city because crime is so widespread um like everywhere is dangerous everywhere's yeah. got its yeah. own it, it's not quite certain uh, communities but every part of our city our downtown michigan avenue which is like our like spot to be we've had i forget how many the, the exact number but it's been we can look it up. murders there it's it, it's insane man like we had a mass a mass shooting which happened all the time in our city they don't talk about in chicago does that's not real no they don't, it, they don't we happen had, in chicago we had 10 people shot right in front of the bean the bean like mm. the, you know like that's supposed to be the tourist attraction and you know yeah we we got we got a world of problems but to speak to your point about how does the department create that spot where you can see good people uh, it's hard, man. It, it is hard to build, uh, create an environment where guys can trust other people. I mean, there I got you guys go. That, yeah. Segue into what I was going to say, man. I wrote go it down. It. I wrote yeah. it down. Look, oh, you took yeah. notes. Oh, trust. Yeah. That would learn. Sure. I, wrote I, would learn. Down. I wrote it down. And that, my brother, bro, that is the, that is the answer. I get so frustrated because community policing in our day and age is BS. Everything my brother just said is the problem. And I'm, I'm not saying you, my brother, but I'm saying the whole system. We go out for national night out. We give out stickers and hats, but then there's no accountability. There's no, there's no relationship after that. We go to these events. We talk to these people at community, uh, community events. Hey, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. There's no relationship after that. No follow-up. No follow-up. Yeah. We, we, we listen, the, these kids need us when we take this job. And I'm so passionate. I get emotional, man, because when we take this job, we take this job with the promise and we tell, we take an oath and we go before the oral board and they ask us, why do you want to become an officer? Why do you want to work for this community? Nine out of 10 of us will say, I want to better my community. I want to be a role model in my community. I want to be the first officer in my family. I want to help people. I right. want to help people. Help. And right. somewhere along the line, and, and Buck, you said it, brother. You said, listen, what happens when you see that 10% of evil or bad people? People get tainted. We get tainted, yes. But you have to remember this. The other 90%, they still see us as hope. We can't lose hope. When we lose hope and we quit on these people, 
then we absolutely negate our oath and the reason why we took the job. When you take the job, you know, when you throw on that vest, right, that tactical vest in the military and you got to go hit this house in the middle of Afghanistan, you knew what you were signing up for. You yeah. knew you wanted to be a ranger. You mm. knew the possibility that death could come to you, right? So you knew the dangers. I knew when I threw on this, this uniform that I was going to encounter some negative results, some negative interactions. But my goal was to make a positive impact, regardless of what setting I'm in. And listen, my back has been against the wall with community members that even though I love my community and I try to do the best I can, I still get hated on. I still some community members, but that's the Well, because you're going to take away their power. Yes, that's the 10%. We have to be tangible. We have to be human beings. We The uniform should not be a barrier. It should be an olive branch. We have to get out there, get out of our car, in the worst neighborhoods. I understand it's dangerous. It's scary. But a simple, hey, man, what's up, man? How you doing today, brother? How's everything? Yo, I like those sneakers, man. Mm -hmm. I like what you, yo, listen, I know you out here doing something negative, bro. But please do me a solid, man. Stay positive. There's nothing out here for you but death, jail, or the hospital bed. Right. No, I, I love I love what you're doing, Bookham. And yeah. you know, and that's you said it the first time you were on our show, is that and you said it today again, where you know, people are like, Hey, how come you're rapping? You're like, you're a cop. Yeah. And it's like when I get out of my car in a bad neighborhood, people know who I am. That's and I the key. and that's I am de-escalating the, the minute I step out of that car. As opposed to a cop escalating the minute they step out of a car. You are a uh, breath of fresh air. You yes. are supposed to be a breath of fresh air. Yes. When I show up on scene, I love when people say, yo, book them. Oh, some cops will look back and be like. And it's a fact. It happens. I feel the vibe. But guess what? The presence alone. My no, brother's a pastor. My brother's a pastor. I'm a Christian. His presence alone brings peace, and it's a breath of fresh air. That's what a good cop is. A right. good cop, I stay in shape. I box. I train. I'm ready. I'm humble, but you got to stay dangerous. But you also have to be a breath of fresh air, a breath mm -hmm. of compassion, a breath of empathy. These people have to see you and say, when you deposit in the bank of trust, right, you're making deposits. Officer Blair, my brother, he's here, prayed for me. He prayed for my family in my worst times. That brother, guess what? When Officer Blair, God forbid, I pray for him that this never happened, he uh, gets into a shooting or something, that community will rally behind him. Why? Right. Because he's deposited into the bank of trust. Yeah. When, you right. have to, when you make a withdrawal, when you make a withdrawal, they're going to say, I back that officer because you know what? He is always here. He's tangible. He talks to us. He, but you know what? The problem is the community doesn't know these officers. And the first right. interaction they have with them is, yo, eh, get it. I grant it. We got to assert some type of authority sometimes. It has to happen. It's a yeah. part of our job. But it shouldn't be 95% of the time. It should mm. be when necessary. That's it. No, and then we we're we so passionate about this shit. No, no, but that, 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 that you made me want to you made me want to go fill out an application. Yeah. <laughs> you that's right. no, so no no that, hey, hey that's that's good, buddy. Because I was gonna talk about you know I, I had my little private war with Army What the Fuck moments, US uh, WTF moments, and like I said, shout out to Kaz, Spanky, shout I, out to all uh, of them, man. Shout out like to all of them. Like they friends, started yeah. like, we're friends, but like I 
keep trying to comment on their posts saying, how do you think this helps recruiting when you make this without any tangibles, without anything knowing the, the backstory, and you just blast this out with somebody who wants to join the military, right? Somebody who wants to be a cop right now, that's very difficult. Yeah. Because of the Hard narrative, it's because of the narrative that's being sold by pushed. the media yep. Yep. and all that stuff. And like you just said, the 90-10, we keep going over 90-10. Let's make it 99-1. All right. Because that's what it really is when it comes to a cop. All right. When it comes to a soldier, uh, maybe we go up to two percent. All right. Mm -hmm. But but like, no, like literally the the, the old it's not even a statistic because the majority of soldiers are are in line doing the right thing doing what they're supposed to do, right? And then there's that one time something happens and all of a sudden we blast it over social media, right? And now that hurts the recruitment, all right? That hurts the recruitment of good, solid people that want to go make a difference, yeah. all right? That's the narrative that needs to be sold. But guess what? That narrative doesn't sell, all right? You know what sells? Yeah. This cop just killed that guy. That yep. sells a shit ton of fucking ratings. Mm -hmm. All right. A shit ton of ratings. All right. Hey, this military person, this base just did that. Oh, that's a ton of ratings. As opposed to all these bases doing this, that, 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 and that. Well, negativity just sells in general, bro. It just sells. Bad shit yeah, well, sells. The other, you know? the other thing that sells is baiting police officers into, into saying and doing things to make them look like they're power tripping. Then again, I don't understand how, how they're still falling for the same bullshit tactics of like, oh, I'm going to record you from wherever and then carry a, a fucking 240 around and then dare you to come tell me the thing. Like, right. calm down. Like, just like, all right, like, whatever. But but baiting police officers to to have yeah. a reaction also that, sells a lot of clicks. That's, yep. that, that's another problem. There's people that get paid for that. That's another. So they, that's, if that's they do, problem. they sue people. They'll sue yeah, them. because you can videotape. You can videotape from yeah. any private property, any public yeah. property. I can do whatever I want. That, but but do you but, know? Yeah. But that's 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 an issue. And I'm actually pushing. I'm pushing my captain, or you know, conversation on the side to try to push for some standard operating procedure that's implemented for body worn cameras. And when we're in our work element, because of the dangers that we face on a regular basis, especially Chicago. Wait, and, you don't you don't have to wear body worn all the time? No, no, no. We have to wear oh, it. But okay, what I'm saying is what piggybacking off what they're saying of people invading our space and recording in our face while we're right. in the commission of an arrest or while we're doing something, it creates a dangerous element. We're the, only, we're the only yeah. we're the only we're the only profession where you could go into our workspace and interfere with what we're doing. If you right. go if I go to J if I go to you know T D Bank and I go behind the desk and I start you think that you? I'm gonna get arrested, <laughs> you know? But but you could come to my where I'm making an arrest in New York. I got a bunch of New York cop friends, and they always tell me, "Dude, we cannot say nothing." They could literally come within feet from where we're arresting a perp who has a weapon on them, and we cannot. We we just do me a step back. Now you're putting me at danger because I have to turn my back to the situation that I'm dealing with just right. to tell you to step back for your safety. So right. it, it's un it's unbelievable that this is still going on, and I'm just and where's the win? Because if you don't have them step back and that 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 they get know, hurt, you're in whatever trouble. shoots them, then you get sued for that. Yeah. If not, then you get. I mean, it, it, we've created so many lose lose situations for police officers 
they, like they don't they're, they're gonna hesitate they don't know mm-hmm. what to do because there's no you can't run all those scenarios through in training people are go oh, they ought to be trained better you can't train all of these crazy scenarios in a lifetime of policing you know who the di- you know who the diamonds in law enforcement are my brother Matt Blair those are the ones that need to be teaching cops and need to be in the face of the public because those are the ones that are going to alleviate the tension between the community and law enforcement because mm-hmm. he sets the bar when you have these well, when you have these yeah, uh, yeah. when you I want to I want to I want to clarify something too just so we we uh so I'm not a police officer. I have all the most respect for my brother is, all that kind of stuff, yeah, yeah. which was why the organization kind of works out well. well it doesn't matter. I'm able, yeah, I'm able to care uh, in, a, in a different way. But, you know, you guys are talking about this recruiting thing. This this is strikes up with me, too, and I just want to hit this quickly. Um, one of the biggest uh, recruiting issues within the Chicago Police Department, this is what I said in that, in that answer to the – superintendent's question about how can you help us with recruiting um the best recruiting thing is taking care of your own people because right now there's police officers that are bashing the chicago police department that work for the department said this job like if you ask my brother if he if his kid said hey dad i want to be a chicago policeman he'd say do anything else go be a fireman you know like he'd say do anything else just don't work for them speaks volumes right that speaks Mm -hmm. volumes Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. mistrust and all that and that going back to the administration stuff that's what the environment has been where it's created that that's the kind of officers that you're breeding out there and it doesn't it will not change until the officers themselves say we can't be beating ourselves up we can't be you know this is still a time-honored profession this is still a beautiful thing where we can still help people and they have to focus in on that mindset rather than you getting caught up into all the other nonsense and it happens too much in the sense of you, you bash the job, you bash the job, you bash the department, all those kinds of things. Um, and there's a lot to bash. Don't get me wrong. Um, there's a lot to bash, and it is an extremely difficult thing. But at the same time, the only way you're going to fix it is from within uh, and working out and uh, it, and changing <laughs> the, the perspective, changing hey, the narrative yes, yes. of what the rest of the world is trying to put on first responders in general. Um, changing that narrative one person at a time, one interaction at a time. Uh, yeah. that's, that, that's well put. Uh, and again, I, I've said this to people before, especially like when I go to school board meetings or stuff like that or whatever. And I'm like, whether you want, you want to believe it or not as an administrator, like you are a leader. All right. You are. And chances are, and this is okay. You're a transactional leader. Okay. It's, I, I got to get this for that. Right. And there's not. Yeah, it sucks when it, when we're talking about our line of work. But when it comes to an administrator, that's the life that they have to live. Right. And so it's it comes down to a moral code. And then that's what when you talk about voting, like you talked about earlier, is are you voting for a transactional leader or are you voting for a transformational leader? Right. right? Are, are, are you voting for somebody that's going to actually you know, do things based on ethics and morals, or they're going to do things based on lobbyists. They're going to do things based on what they're told to do. Right. Right. And 
Again, I mean, this can go into the recap. Uh, this is a great conversation. I think this podcast could go for probably five hours. Uh, and I would love to for do sure. it. That, we need to that, do it. Yeah. We'll come up yeah, book and show. Yeah. Yeah. We'll come up book and show. But, <laughs> but, uh, but the Bama game's coming on here pretty soon. So we got to. Guys, you know, I'm heading to a says, basketball I'll, game. We could yeah. do it this week. Can, can you guys do it this week? We'll get on. It's all, it's not through, um, it's not through Zoom. It's not through video. It's all on Spotify, uh, Apple, Apple Music, all that. Um, but I can have all you guys on, and we can have a great conversation, man. That'd Let's be fun. Yeah, no, let's do it. it. So uh, we got time. Welcome. Uh, I know you just texted me too that you gotta go. Yeah, send send got out a plug, you. man. Send out a plug to all your hoodies yeah. and the merch because right. you have a nonprofit yeah. as well. I, well. Yeah, yeah. I got a nonprofit. I'm working on the 501c3 status as we speak. Um, so I'm not going too crazy with the fundraising, but I am selling hoodies right now to raise money for the Bridges Project because what I do in the Bridges Project is use hip-hop as a conduit to bridge the gap between law enforcement and mostly the youth of communities all over. Um, so what I do is I just bring my program to the schools free of charge. I give them a PowerPoint. Um, I, I perform for them, and I do some uh, motivational speaking for the kids um, so if you need, if you know somebody, if you know so, uh, a kid that may need assistance, a school that may need somebody to come in that can understand them. I come from a broken home, GED. I understand them. Um, I'm, I Listen, I'll come for free. I never charge. It's all free. It's all donated time. Um, and just reach out to me. You can email me at uh, the bookum at thebridgesproject.info. That's bookum at thebridgesproject.info. If you want to uh, reach me on Instagram, which is the, the social media handle I'm on the most, it's bookum underscore bridges. That's bookum underscore bridges. And last, my website, if you want to see what I do, uh, see some of my, hear some of my music, see some of my videos, you could go to www.thebridgesproject.info. Um, perfect, perfect. Hey, don't jump, don't, me, hey, don't, don't jump off real quick because we're going to close out the show and then you can jump off. Um, but again, a quick recap, guys. We're the only people that are going to take care of the community is the community, all right? Yeah. Not the administrators, not the transactional leaders. Matt has stepped up, all right. Mm -hmm. Bookham has already stepped up, all right. Bookham has stepped up and done things outside of the box to help his community, yeah. all right. Matt has come into play and put his skin in the game and left probably a you know a life that was pretty you know standard. Right. And to where now he's dealing with a lot of things and making a difference. So we appreciate you having you guys on. Uh, the devil is real. Okay. The New Jersey devil is real. Uh, uh, that, that, that's a fact. And then Veterans Day is Veterans Day. All right. Yes. Do Shout the damn veterans, parade on Veterans Day. All right. And if, all right. And if you watch this, if you watch the show earlier, if you want to rewind, and then at the end, you'll see all the QR codes of the people that support us, all right? And they support our mission. So scan on that. And if you need a job, it's Fleet Techs. You want some uh, recovery stuff that I'm going to take tomorrow for sure after this show because I've been drinking a lot of vodka during this show. Um, <laughs> like, so like, Shout out to 10th Mountain Whiskey if you want some whiskey. Yeah, or some bourbon. Yeah. Oh, that's what that's, it is. Yeah, 10 mile vodka. All right, 10 mile vodka. And then we got NRF2 Warrior who gives us uh, hangover pills. So we get them and <laughs> he got the whole package, man. The whole package. We got, oh, right the glasses, there. We got hangover pills. But uh, all right, Dave, close this out. Great so conversation to have in front yeah. of a pastor, by the way. Yeah. Fuck. Hey, great <laughs> hey, I'm messing with you, brother. <laughs> <laughs>
It's kind of happy Saturday. We'll see you guys next week and then book them. Yeah, oh. we'll stay on real quick after the show. But thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Yo, baby. guys, yeah. Matt, good to guys, meet you. Man. Guys, be safe, man. Okay. God bless you. Hey.